0: Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Well, Merry Christmas. I'm so excited. I don't know about you, but it felt like it came like that. Like I, I I remember when it was like we were just starting to listen to a Christmas song or two on the radio, and then it's like boom, like it's here. And in the blink of an eye, it'll be over. And 2023 will also be coming to an end. And I know a lot of you might have started 23 2023 strong. You had different goals and things you wanted to accomplish, and you're looking at your goals this week and you're like I got one week to lose 20 pounds. I got one week to learn how to play piano or to read eight books, right? I mean, whatever it is. I just want to encourage you, just let yourself off the hook. Uh, Calories don't count over the holidays. Like it's a true well-known fact among health professionals that calories don't count during the holidays, eat, enjoy, feast. And then in the new year, we're going to be doing a 21-day fast, and it's going to be awesome jumping into it. And so, I want to encourage you to jump in with with us on that as well. Um, Man, I'm, I'm just so excited about what God is doing on the earth and that we get to be part of it. And, you know, when you take a look at the story of Christmas, time was split into two. There was B.C., that was before Christ, and A.D., which was after his death, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, after his death. And... When you look at that and think of that, there's been a lot of great people that have come and gone. There's been a lot of people that have done incredible things on this planet. Nobody carries the weight, the accolades, the power, and the impact that Jesus Christ has. And 2,000 years ago, in that beautiful birth, the world experienced a miracle. And 2,000 years later, we're here, gathered in a church building tonight, Because you've probably experienced that miracle in your own life and in your own heart. And tonight, we're going to go through and we're going to recount, we're going to remember, we're going to read the Christmas story. And you know, Jesus, sacred and secular historians alike, would all agree that there was a man named Jesus who lived in the area of Galilee in Israel, that he lived and that he died on a cross and rose again. And he would appear, after his resurrection, he would appear to over, there was over 500 eyewitness accounts of people encountering him. And then he did that for 40 days, spent time with them, fellowshiped with them. He spoke into their lives. He encouraged them. And then he would ascend into heaven and he'd basically hand the keys over to those disciples, those young teenage boys, 20-somethings, and say, go and build the church. And we're here today because they said yes. And many of them would die a martyr's death because they refused to renounce what they had seen and what they heard. And some people, just the fact of what I just said, they, they look at Christianity as it's a fable. It's, it's a fairy tale it's it's not true the disciples made up that story just to kind of keep the band together and keep doing what they were doing and I don't know about you but I would not give my life for a lie and they were so convinced and convicted that the resurrected Jesus was indeed the Messiah that they spent time with that they said I would rather die than renounce him that type of faith, I believe, is the kind of faith that changes the world. And my prayer today is that wherever you may be tonight in your own journey with God, in your own journey of faith, my prayer is that you would have an encounter with Jesus. And so I want to read to you the original Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2, famous, famous passage of scripture, rich text. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it for you now. So Luke chapter 2, we'll put it on the screens for you. Luke chapter 2, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So this decree goes out, let me pause from the text, this decree goes out, basically what's happening is they're preparing to tax all the people. And some people, you know, before you get too deep into the theological weeds tonight, and some of you are here and you're like, well, Jesus' birth was not on December 25th we know that uh, there's a strong probability that he was not born on December 25th. We also know that the wise men were not there at the nativity. Don't throw away your nativity sets. I love nativities. I believe every government property and every business in all of Orange County should have a nativity on their front lawn. I'm a fan of them, okay? But there was not wise men present at the birth of Jesus. They came when he was a young child. They came into the house as a young child. But we do know that the shepherds came and saw Jesus as a baby. So it came to pass in those days, this decree goes out from Caesar. Next line. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now at this time, Mary and Joseph are betrothed. It's kind of like if you would, its they're married but not officially married yet. And so Mary and Joseph are in the process of getting married Their family members, there's a ripple effect because Mary has a pretty, pretty interesting claim that she is pregnant by the Holy Spirit with Jesus. That's a hard one to swallow. That's a hard one to believe. So they go at it, most likely alone, and they go down to Bethlehem, which was a massive trek in your late trimester, final trimester of your pregnancy. Any of you ladies, if you've had a baby, you would not want to be traveling that distance at that time of the year. It was probably the fall. Most people believe that Jesus would have come probably in, around the Feast of, of Tabernacles or the Feast of Trumpets. But one of the high holy days in the fall is when Jesus would have come. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So because of that, they had to go down to the city of Bethlehem. Next slide. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Can we say that together? Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now Bethlehem. If you take a look at the word Bethlehem, any time you see a word that begins with "bait," it means house. So Bethlehem. There was there was, uh, uh, Beth- Bethsaida, which was uh, Seda's fish, fish fisherman. It was the fishing village. There was Bethpage, which is figs. So Beth house of figs. There was Bethesda, Bethesda's house of mercy. There's Beth-el, El meaning God. So Bethel is the house of God. So this is Bethlehem, and it literally means, Bethlehem means house of bread. I think we have that on the slide. House of bread. There you go. Bait, house, lechem, bread. So Bethlehem means house of bread. I find it interesting that of all places, God chose Bethlehem, the house of bread for the bread of life to come. Jesus would say of himself, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you're never going to hunger again. And that, that tripped people out. They're like, what are you meaning? Like, if you eat of me, he's saying, if you really taste and experience and encounter what I'm giving you, you're never going to be hungry for the things that you used to hunger for. The things of the world pale in comparison to what I'm going to give you. John six fifty one. Jesus said, I, I, "I'm a, I'm actually the manna that came down from heaven. Like you guys, you guys know what this is. You guys have celebrated Passover, and he's saying, "I'm going to be the Passover lamb." So I want to I want to encourage us tonight that just as Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The House of Bread, I want to encourage you tonight, I believe God wants to bring bread to your house. I believe God wants you to taste and see his goodness and his kindness. And you know, for me, I, um, I didn't grow up really in the church, well, kind of. I grew up Catholic, and, uh, and, and I really only went because my parents made me, <laughs> because we were an Irish Catholic family, and that's what you do, you know. And in fact, my uncle was a priest, and so that, that, like, that's our lineage. I remember being an altar boy, and, and I, would, I would go to Catholic mass, and I went to Catholic school, and I knew some of the stories. I had head knowledge, but I couldn't really tell you about my personal experience and encounter with Jesus. I, I didn't have that. I couldn't tell you about what Christ had done in my life because I really didn't experience that. And then I found myself when I was 20 years old, I became a a dad. I had a child outside of wedlock. And man, that like erupted and exploded in our family at that time. I was the oldest of all the cousins and was living a seemingly great life to everybody around me, but I had a, a secret sin that I was struggling with. And had a child outside of wedlock. I didn't want to be a deadbeat dad, and I felt like, I felt this pull to want to wanna do better I felt like there was there was purpose there was there was something on my life that was greater than the life that I was living Any you ever feel that way it's kind of like you ever been stuck in a rut where you're kind of like I know the way I'm living probably isn't the best for me or the people around me and I, I, I feel like there's more I feel like God has more on my life and I just need to get out of this rut. And I found myself in a place, and I, I prayed this prayer from the, the, the honest, most honestness of my heart that I could, and I just prayed. I said, Lord, if you're real, show me. I want to know you. That was my simple prayer. Lord, if you're real, then I want to know you. You know, if you pray that prayer, I'm telling you, God's going to show himself to you. If you're, if you're really coming to it from a place where you're like, I really want to know you, God. I mean, if there was a God, if there was a grand design, wouldn't you look at the things of the world and, and say, God, if, if you are real, I would want to know you. Like if, if, I, if I was coming up to an island and I came up to a deserted island and as I show up there and I look around and suddenly I, I see that there's a sandcastle on the island, I can look and not even meeting anybody there, I would have to say, somebody's been here. Somebody has built something that I'm looking at. Well, the same is true when you look around the world. If you really take a look, deep dive into the beauty, the incredible things of this world, even if you just look at the miracle of sight in the human eye and how it takes in information and processes it in the brain and lights and colors, even if you just take a look at that, you cannot help but see that there's a grand hand. There's a creator that has created you that you were created in the image of Almighty God, that he has a pur- purpose and a plan and a destiny on your life that you can find yourself coming out of whatever rut you might find yourself in. So these shepherds are watching over their flocks in this area of Bethlehem. And as they're watching over their flocks, the angels appear. We just read it. And the angels appear to them, and, and they're shocked. And the angels... They, they give him this message that the Christ child had been born. What's interesting to note is Bethlehem, the reason they were there, the reason it's known as the city of David is because King David came from that place. King David would have watched over flocks on those same hills. King David would have played and sang and worshiped in those same hills where the, the shepherds encountered the angels singing glory to God in the highest. He would have experienced that. And in those hills during that time when these shepherds are watching over the flocks, interesting to note is that those flocks were the ones from which was selected the Passover lamb that would be used at the the temple in Jerusalem. So here are the shepherds watching over their flocks descendants of David a former shepherd boy which by the way shepherds they were kind of the least of society usually they were the youngest in the house a lot of times they were actually the young girls of the family they would watch over flocks believe it or not could you imagine your young eight nine ten year old daughter in a in a few of the family members out there at night now we don't know if they were young boys or young girls we don't know that But there is some credence to the fact that they could have been girls because the first person Jesus told that he was the Messiah was a woman from Samaria. And it wouldn't be beyond a probability that there might have been some young girls that were there too, which encourages me because I got three daughters, (laughs) three out of five for the girls, right? So that encourages me that God has plans for you ladies and you men. God has plans for you and you youngins. And God takes what in our minds can look like a seemingly inconsequential, insignificant task, like watching some sheep, and he can show up and do something miraculous. And I don't know about you, but I can look back in my past and I can think, man, I came from a seemingly small, insignificant, inconsequential place. And all of us really have been there. And God chose Bethlehem this little town. It's only a few miles outside of Jerusalem. It's kind of, it was kind of like Hickville, real rural, to show up and for Jesus to be born. And so I want to give us four lessons tonight that hopefully you can take with you into your Christmas and really into the new year. I want to bring four lessons from the shepherds. And the first, the first lesson that we can pull from, from the shepherds is to receive. They received the word of the Lord. Receive. You know, it's one thing to hear a message. It's another thing to receive it. My, my wife sometimes tells me something, and I might be listening, but I didn't really hear what she said. <laughs> like when she tells me what to buy at the store. And then I get to the store, and I get everything but what she told me to get when I was leaving the house. (laughs) It's one thing to hear something. It's another thing to really take it in and receive. If you want to have an encounter with God, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, if you want to grow in faith in the new year, can I just tell you, man, you got to be hungry for the bread that came down from heaven. You have to have a heart that's postured and ready to receive. And maybe you're sitting here tonight... And you're like, honestly, that sounds good, but I don't know if I'm there yet. I want to encourage you. God is so patient. I can't tell you how many times God sent Christians and messages and signs into my life that led me to know who he was. He was patient. He's kind. I mean, think of this. He showed up to the Magi, and they began this journey, the wise men, they came from the East, and they followed a star. God used something they would recognize to pull them in and experience what they did not know yet, and that was his goodness. They had an encounter with God because he used something that they would be able to understand to draw them in close. Sometimes God's using something in your life to help you understand, and he's trying to draw you in close. I'm just encouraging you tonight, receive it. It's no accident that you're sitting here in this room. You might have been walking in here and like, Man, this church is probably going to collapse if I walk in it. And I've had those feelings before, when I came, before I came to Christ. I'm like, I don't know if I can go in that place, man. I feel so out of place. I'm telling you, lean in. Receive the word of the Lord. The second thing is they responded. They responded. It says they actually, they went with haste. The, 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 the imagery is like they dropped everything, went away from their fire, and raced to Bethlehem. Like, there was a response. They didn't just hear it. They actually did something with it. Uh, Fawn and I and, and some friends, we went out Christmas caroling the other night. Christmas Carol in our neighborhood and we went up to one of the neighbors and you know we got this troop i don 't know there was like ten or twelve of us and and we're singing and, and just having a blast and this person literally like we're waiting at the door and I feel like we're like three lyrics if three verses into a song and they still hadn't he still hadn't come out, but we knew that they were home in fact, they opened their blinds and looked out at us and we're singing and we're waving. And they, like, just sat there, and then they closed the blinds. And I'm thinking, oh, they're going to come and open the door now. No, they just went back to watching whatever they were watching on TV. <laughs> totally left us hanging there, right, you know? Like, hi, thank you very much. That's so great. Nice and humbling. And maybe you're that neighbor of mine, and you're here tonight because we left an invite card <laughs> to church on your front doorstep. <laughs> so it's, that, it's, it's okay. I know, maybe you didn't want to open the door for whatever reason, but... It's one thing to hear, it's another thing to receive, and it's another thing to respond. And I just want to encourage you, if you want to encounter Jesus, if you want, if you want to see God move in your life in the new year, man, you've got to respond. Like, like, like I can't do it for you. Your, your family member, friend that brought you here tonight, they can't do it for you. It's something that you have to take hold of. And if you have questions, and you've walked into the room tonight, and you're, you say, well, I want to believe, but I have a lot of question marks, good. Christianity is not some religion where you check your brain at the door. In fact, the more you research, the more you're going to find that God is who he says he was. And if you put the the microscope on the Bible and you begin to read the truth of the word of God, you'll see that it's not just another book. That it's not just timeless, it's timely. And it's the only book that actually predicted the future with accuracy. There was literally hundreds of prophecies recorded in Scripture some 700 to 1,000 years before Jesus was born that said the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. It said that one day that he would die, that he would die on a cross. It likened it to a crucifixion. And the, the Bible talks about this method in which he would one day be murdered before that style was even around, before he was even invented and popularized by the Romans. It said that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. That he would be, basically that somebody would turn their back on him and turn him over to the local officials for 30 pieces of silver. Didn't say 29. It didn't say 31. It said 30. And guess how many he was turned over for? 30 pieces of scripture, or 30 pieces of silver. When you read through the scriptures, you're going to see this divine hand the hand of God, all throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament that brings us to the story of why we've gathered here tonight. So number one, receive the word. Number two, respond. Revelation 3.20 says this. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. That is the picture. That is the picture of what Jesus wants to do in your life and in my life. He wants to come in and meet with you as a friend. So receive, respond, and the third thing is to recount. Some people receive Jesus, but they don't tell anybody about it. It's kind of like when I started dating my wife, like I wanted everybody to know that she was off the market. (laughs) Like she's mine. And as soon as I could, man, we put a ring on that finger, right? Put a ring on it. I didn't hesitate. She was the one. I knew she was the one. Why wait? So we got married. 21 years later, we're still going strong. God wants some of you to go public with your faith. He, want, he wants you to do something significant, like a ring on, of a wedding band. He wants you to do something where people around you, man, they know you're a Christian. Not that you have to shove something down anybody's throat. You don't have to stand on a street corner with a bullhorn unless you're called to do that. I'm not, but, you know, but living out your faith, like there should be something different about you. You know, I, I believe even for us married people that our, our marriages should be a sign, a miracle, and a wonder, especially in the society, in the day and age in which we live. How you are on your job should look differently than somebody who's not a Christian. How you show up early, how you, you're diligent, you get it done. You're a top performer. You have the favor of God on your life. There's something that should look different about you. So the shepherds, they they receive the word, they respond, and then they recount, who have you told in your life that you're a Christian? And I wanna encourage you tonight, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray a simple prayer like I prayed to receive Jesus, but it really got solidified when I began to share that with my family and friends. I'm a Christian, I don't do that anymore. I'm I'm a Christian, I, I had this encounter with God, which was odd language, To my Catholic friends and my Catholic family, you had an encounter with God? They're like, you know, my dad was ready to to like get me checked into the mental institution. He's like, something's wrong with with Jeff. And then my uncle, who is the priest, said, do you see good changes in his life or bad? said that to my dad. My dad said, well, I think there are pretty good changes in his life overall. And my uncle, the priest, told him, well, then let it be. God's doing a work. And he doesn't always work in his life the way he's going to work in your life and difference in others. And then within a year later, I got baptized, and then I ended up baptizing my parents and my brothers and the whole family came to Jesus, and they're all celebrating with the billions of us Christians around the world on the birth of our Savior over this weekend. God does miracles. So receive, respond, recount. Matthew ten thirty three. Jesus said this, whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. If... If you're embarrassed to share your faith with somebody, I would encourage you to go back. Do you really have faith? Is it time to go all in? Receive, respond, recount. In the last one, the last lesson, rejoice. I'm gonna have Hannah join me up on the piano and uh, the worship team can go ahead and take their place as we begin to close out tonight. Rejoice, rejoice. Wherever there's a potential for a miracle, you gotta watch out for the Herod. The Herod's gonna try to stamp out the miracle that God wants to birth in your life. And tonight, I believe that he wants, even with the crying babies and everything else, <laughs> I believe God wants to birth a miracle in some lives in this room. And maybe you're here and you're like me, you're like, I've heard this message, but now you're hearing it. I, I, I've heard about this story, but now I'm really listening. I got my, my attention. And you're in a place where you really want to receive Christ into your life. What could your life look like in 2024 if Jesus was at the center of your life? What could your life look like? And I I love this quote by this gentleman, Tim Keller, passed away this year. The world cannot save itself. That's the message of Christmas. Christmas. The world can't save itself. I could never be good enough to earn my way to heaven and neither could you. You can't do enough good things to outweigh the bad to stand in the presence of a holy God. So Jesus came, lived, really lived, really died, really rose again, really ascended into heaven. This isn't just a good story. This is the greatest story ever told because it's true. And Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me and all of us in this room into a deeper relationship with him. What could your life look like in 2024 if you went all in for Jesus where you received his word where you responded to it where you recounted shared your faith with others and where you rejoiced as one who's really been saved what could your life look like Isaiah 9 6 says this for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given this is a prophecy that's 700 years before Jesus came on the face of the earth. And in it, in these two verses, you see his humanity and his divinity. Do you see it? For unto us a child is born. Humanity. Unto us a son is given. God the Father sent his son. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life I just want to ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes here in this moment as we close tonight if you're here in this room and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior and tonight you want to pray a prayer similar to what I did 25 years ago I want to lead you in that prayer and it's simply asking him to forgive you I just want to ask us as a church family tonight I know we have visitors and people that are gathering with us that have come from different miles and you're visiting from out of town but As a church family here at Authentic Church and for you that are here with us tonight, I just want to encourage us, can we just pray this prayer and recommit our lives to Christ? Could you just pray after me? Lord Jesus, will you forgive me again? Forgive me for any sin I've ever committed. I dedicate my life to you. I want to know you. I want to grow in relationship with you show yourself to me God do something new in my life I receive you tonight as my Lord and Savior Amen we're going to close tonight with lighting a candle and singing a closing song that's familiar to all of us And the song was written by a a young priest. The church organ had broke. They didn't know how they were going to have service. It's Christmas Eve, Mass. He's like, what are we going to do? And he began to pluck out a simple few chords on his guitar and put some music to it with a friend of his. And that was the night that the song Silent Night was born. It's not just a a fun hymn. It was actually a worship song in their day and age. And tonight, maybe we could just stand together as we light these candles, and then it could go from being a fun hymn to sing at Christmas time to really being a song of worship from your heart. Why don't we all stand together? If you've been given a candle, I just want to encourage you, when you light it, keep it upright. Let Let the other person come over and light your candle, don't turn your candle like this, you'll drip wax and it could cause fire and it could be really bad in this beautiful chapel here tonight. So we're going to begin it tonight.
0: So Authentic Church, visit us online at authenticoc.com.